Welcome to Winning the Game of Life. Known as Jungle Man at the poker table, Dan Cates has gone from being the bag boy at McDonald's with no friends and a dead-end future to winning over $11 million in online poker, over $7 million in live tournaments, and is a World Series of Poker champion. He has found fame, fortune, been to incredible places all over the globe, and connected with some amazing people. It looks like Dan has won the game of life, but that is not the way he sees it. Dan sees winning as doing his part to help everyone in the world win. He knows he can't do it alone, though. He knows it's going to take a collective effort with anyone that wants to see the same thing. Join us each week as Dan starts the conversation to do just that. On the show, Dan will interview incredible individuals that have made the impossible possible. Those that have won the game of life and those that want to help others win as well. Hit subscribe and follow Dan's journey on Instagram at TheDanCates. Let's explore anyone and anything that can help make this world a better place, increasing the odds of us all winning the game of life. And now, here's your host, Dan Cates. All right, guys, it's Dan Jungleland Cates, and I'm with a new guest. He's, he's played a bit of poker himself. He's somewhat of a poker player, but he's known as a businessman, he's had an incredible story and also an incredible transformation is now on a different path than as he used to be. Um, Nazi, welcome to the podcast of Winning the Game of Life. How are you doing? Thank you, Dan. Good. How are you doing, Dan? Thank you. Good. I'm in Dubai, which I understand is where you were doing business. And had That's a, right. a bit of an extravagant lifestyle. What were you doing? Well, I used to, I grew up in Dubai. Uh, I went there when I was about 14 with my family. And I stayed till about the age of 31. And so now I'm 43. So it's been almost 12 years since I left Dubai. Uh, and I was, I was a businessman. I was doing real estate and uh a bit of uh, web design was one of the more successful companies in web design back in the days. And actually poker was, was the reason why I left. Uh, I wanted to find another way of like stopping that and leaving Dubai. And so I kind of dabbled with poker a little bit uh, as we've talked before. So yeah, this is, this is kind of the, been the background in Dubai. Okay, and uh, so how did that go? How did your transition from business to poker go? Well, I, you know, honestly, I got really into poker because I just felt like I was never into gambling, um, never kind of always been to Vegas many times before uh, during those days and never really felt called to gambling. But somehow poker really captivated me because I felt like it was very much psychology, reading people. And then uh, actually my younger brother, Mike, uh, who lives in Dubai, he was the one who taught me how to play poker. And, uh, and then within a month or two, I went to Macau and I played the Macau tournament there. And, right. and that was my, yeah, and, and I got in, I think it, I came six, if I'm not mistaken, in that tournament. That was the first live game I ever played. 
And so somehow that made me feel like, okay, well, maybe this is my new calling and, and I should go from there. And yeah, and then I didn't return to Dubai and I just kept traveling until I finally ended up in Brazil, pay, playing in a, in, a, in a city called Balneário Camboriú, which is like the poker capital of Brazil. Really? And I, huh. yeah. I didn't know about Have that. Have you heard of it? I maybe should have. Maybe that's like where all the tournaments are held. I've never been to Brazil. So you were you were yeah. actually uh, you you were actually basically a poker player. You're a businessman turned poker player. I did. Yes, I played poker for almost two years, uh, nonstop, uh, daily. Uh, never never online, really. Just just really to learn at the beginning with the online. But I much preferred uh, the live games. And um, yeah, and so in this place, Balneario Camboriú, it's called in Brazil, uh, I was doing really well. And so I thought, wonderful, maybe I should go to Vegas then. And I remember I went to the World Series to play it. And obviously I was no way near the level of the, the players in Vegas. In Brazil, I guess at the time they were not very good. There's a lot of good online players in Brazil, but somehow on the live games, they weren't that great, which is what made me believe that I was, that I was good at it. But when I got to Vegas, I, was, I played the World Series and I think I got into one of them. I got some money back, but yeah, overall I didn't do very well in Vegas. All right. Um, so was that like, that was basically your career though, then? It wasn't so much business. Uh, it was just that that was your career prior to this whole like grand story. Of well, yeah, you could say that. I mean, I did consider myself a poker player for, for those two years. Mm -hmm. uh, but I feel like once I returned from, uh, from Vegas back to Brazil, uh, I met somebody that was into charity and doing a lot of social work. And somehow I started to feel a little strange about playing because, I mean, I obviously today I have nothing against it. But at the time I thought, wow, here I am sitting on, I was playing in this, in this really known poker house at the time. Mm -hmm. And they, what they used to do was they used to bring, uh, uh, you know, big farmers from other states of Brazil. And then we would play for the house. And so what would happen is the house would sponsor us and then whatever we would make, they would keep 50% of that. So I never really had to play with my money at the time. And so in Brazil, we call it cavalo, which means like you become a horse for the, for the poker house and they send no, yeah, you off to play. Yeah, that's, uh, that's what they call it. <laughs> That's what they call it. Okay. I've never heard of it in English. Okay. Yeah. So I did that for a while. Um, and then when I met this woman, I started to feel a little, I, you know, actually I'll, I'll mention this too. So while I was playing poker, I, I kept an Excel sheet of uh, every game that I played and how much money I was making. And I remember on the side of the Excel sheet, I, I had this commitment that I wanted to give 10% of my earnings. And so I kept putting the number there. But the funny thing is I never actually ended up giving that money, which is kind of a way that I started to feel a little, you know, I don't know. It just didn't feel good because I kept finding excuses for not giving that money and thinking, okay, when I make uh, this much money, then I'm going to give that 10%. Or when I do this, I'm going to do that. 
And so when I met this woman, she she kind of took me down this path of uh, doing charity work a little bit. And we went to some of the cancer hospitals in Brazil. Huh. And yeah, and then and then somehow I, I started to move away from that. And I felt, uh, you know, maybe I should go down a different path. I still love the game. I mean, I don't play it now because uh, it just there isn't really a game now. I live in Guatemala now in a, in a little village on a lake. Uh, and so, yeah. And yeah, and that kind of where, where the change started happening in my life. It was more, uh, I started to think, okay, well, what can I do that could be maybe a little more in service? And, and eventually this woman um, that I ended up marrying, uh, she she got cancer as well and so the money that i had made in my business in uh in in dubai i started to pay for her hospital bills and then i paid for some of the other people a long story short that turned out to be a scam as i told you then i i had left uh, brazil and then i find out that it was really all a scam. And so funny enough that I was a very good poker player at the time, but I had been bluffed all in by the woman that I loved. Yeah. And yeah, and that, that oh, basically is what one. took me. What's <laughs> that? You wouldn't be the only one, yeah. Yeah, can you imagine. And so that kind of took me off on another journey. I ended up in, uh, in Panama for, I lived in Panama for about two years. And, and then I moved into Ecuador and I lived in a little village called Vilcabamba. And that was the first time I lived in a place that was like 4,000 people, I think was the population of that village. And things started to change for me. So over there, I started a small Middle Eastern restaurant and I was actually working in the kitchen, something that I had never done while being in Dubai. I was always, uh, you know, um, kind of more the executive with uh, with a suit and partying at night and women and all of that. Yeah, I was about to say, I, I remember hearing you had a bit of an extravagant lifestyle, if you want to talk about that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess, you know, I feel like a big reason for that was because growing up in Dubai for me, I honestly thought that the whole world was just like that. You know, I didn't think I like, I mean, now obviously you live there and so you know what it's like. I guess people don't really understand what it is Dubai. Like it's just like, for example, I remember my first car that I that I had was a was an Oldsmobile that my father gave me and I used to sleep in that car. And then eventually I went to a BMW Z3 and then I went to a Maserati and then I ended up with a Ferrari at the end. <laughs> and, and that's, and, and, you know, and it was never enough because whatever car you get, you almost never feel like you're kind of satisfied somehow. And, and this is what I feel Dubai is in a way, which is kind of good. If you want to achieve things, it puts you in this sort of uh, competitive, uh, maybe, you know, like, you know, kind of like always pushing forward, but not never really satisfied. And, um, and yeah, so, so since then, that, that lifestyle in, in Dubai, and now I, I live a very simple life. Actually, my story kind of got famous a few years ago because I decided, so after I got scammed by this, this woman, 
I ended up uh, living in a van and I was traveling in a van in Oregon and California and hanging out in hippie places. And, <laughs> and, and I had a, like a really long beard and I kind of dressed in this uh, sort of just ponchos and, and like that kind of clothes. So it was a complete transformation, honestly. Wait, so, and, um, well, let me ask a question, but she didn't take all your money, did she? She did, yeah. She took oh, everything. Okay, okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, there was a big part of it that was spent towards supposedly helping people. That was what I was th thought was happening. And then we had bought a lot of land in Brazil. But that too, eventually, you know, she had the power of attorney and, and uh, she ended up taking all of that, uh, all the land and everything that we had. And so I find out one day while I'm in, uh, while I'm in Oregon uh, in this uh, place called the Jackson, Wall, uh, Jackson Hot Springs, I think it's called. And, and then one day, the last $70,000 that I had she called me at that time. I hadn't, I didn't know yet that, that she had taken everything. She told me, she's like, look, uh, my brother is going through a surgery. So, and so, um, you know, it's going to cost, I think $70,000, something like that. And that night I thought to myself, I'm like, okay, well, if I give this money, I have nothing. And then I'm going to have to figure out how to get started again. And, but something inside of me uh, told me that I should do it. And I remember giving, making that transfer that evening. The next day I wake up to a guy named uh, Dylan standing outside of my van. And then he made the video that kind of went viral with my story three years ago. So I felt like it was sort of, you know, I had to, I had to get to the point where I was at zero so that I can then restart my life again. And that's what I've been doing since these last three years. So that's also when I moved here to Guatemala. And uh, yeah, and then we can, we can talk about that after, yeah. Okay, well, how do you, well, the first question is, how did you find out exactly that it was all? Okay, but, yeah, so the way I found out was, Actually, while I was in this van in Oregon, and this guy was a YouTuber, uh, he was going to actually make a video about another guy who had the same van like me. He was meant to meet this guy uh, named Brandon that day. And so when I opened the door of my van and I see Dylan there, and he asks me, are you Brandon? And I said, no, I'm Mazi. And he was like, well, I'm supposed to make a video about a guy named Brandon that has the same van as yours. And I'm like, yeah, I heard he, I, I met the guy because we had the same uh, VW van and he said he had, he had left to California that evening. And he's like, well, what's your story? I'm like, well, actually, you know, last night, up until last night, I had X amount of money. And now this morning I woke up and I'm broke. And he's like, well, would you like to be in a video? I said, why not? And, and that's how the video started. And, and so when the video went viral, uh, it went really viral. Uh, don't remember how many views, but then all these other companies started picking it up. Eventually it got to Brazil. And so the way I found out was uh, people started commenting on the video and saying, hey, this woman so-and-so uh, 
is not sick or she's living this lifestyle or they would send me pictures and I didn't want to believe that this was true because I had been it had been almost three and a half years that I that I was completely convinced that all of that was happening and all these lands that I still had. And yeah, even though I had given the last 70,000, I imagined I had maybe, I don't know, a million and a half dollars in land and properties in Brazil. But then that's how I started looking into it. And, uh, and my uncle who was in the US helped me hire the private investigator. And, and then they came back to me and told me the truth. And yeah, it was a complete shock. Uh, but in a way, it was freeing then as well, because somehow I knew that I had to sort of give that money. I was hoping it would go to the right cause. But I, today I understand that that was a lesson that I had to go through so that I can liberate myself from, from this attachment of the money, you know. Uh, and yeah, and that puts me on a completely new path now, which, which has been wonderful. Yeah, my next question was like, how do you go through something that horrible and also come out feeling okay? I mean, and feeling good about it, sort of. Yeah, you know, honestly, the way it happened was I remember sitting in the living room of my grandmother's house in San Diego and all my uncles were there. And so they had already found out through the private investigator and I didn't really want to believe all these comments and all of that, but I thought, okay, my uncle said, hey, can we, can, we, can we sit down and have a talk? And so he tells me that. And in that moment, honestly, I remember looking up and I felt like I saw a light. Like, and, and my thought in that second was, okay, I'm having a heart attack or, or something's gonna happen. Like they say the light at the end of the tunnel. And I thought, okay, maybe I'm dying. And, but then I had this kind of like a voice that said, okay, you have two ways to go about this. One way is you feel sorry for yourself and you feel like a total idiot and you hate on this and yourself for the rest of your life, or you just take your losses and realize that you're free again and you can go and do this all over. And and I felt like in that moment that that's what I wanted to do. And I, and I remember it was in the evening. I went to sleep that night and I woke up the next day and I felt so free that like, honestly, I felt like, okay, now I could just do whatever I wanted to do. I, I found out it was all a lie. I don't have all these attachments. I don't have all this land, which, you know, it's kind of, crazy but in a way it was sort of freeing and now I here I was me and my van and being able to to just be free and do what I wanted again oh okay of, of course my heart was broken that was that was definitely actually the part that really disappointed me was you know to realize that it was yeah, all a lie and I had been living yeah yeah, yeah. You know, like that it's just uh i mean that's like i don't know what to be worse actually yeah i i mean honestly for me i always thought then that you know i feel like once you once you know how to really make money whatever it is that you do i think if you get to that sort of mind that okay I just know how to do it. They say, you know, once you make your first million, it's kind of easy to do it again. And I've heard of many people that 
sort of had made their million and then they would lose it, but then they would always be able to do it again. I feel like something changes in your, in your mind or it becomes more believable. So for me, the money part was, wasn't really that big of a deal because I always thought that we were giving that money and helping people with, with it. But uh, yeah, it was more my heart and feeling betrayed by somebody and, uh, you know, living a complete lie for, for five years. Uh, and then, but in a way it was freeing. And, and so, so since then, yeah, I, I, I feel more free than ever. Well, I'm glad you feel that free. I, uh, yeah. I'm not so sure that I want to experience the freedom that way at least that way right yeah <laughs> i know when i tell people the story people don't believe it but uh it was like i feel like for me uh, and i mean without going too much into spirituality or anything i feel like there was something on a karmic level that i had to experience because since i've been a kid i've always wanted money and i would do anything for money because for me, I thought money was tied to freedom. Uh, but I guess once I got to that level of having that much money and having money in bank accounts in different countries, and I remember, I mean, it sounds silly to have to worry about that, but that was what I was worried about. Okay, what interest rate am I getting here? Or what, what's, what's, what's going to happen? Or people say the dollar is going to crash. And I would hear all these rumors about different things. And it just kept me more worried. And, right. and yeah. so, you know, it, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I do. More money, more problems, as they say. Yeah, I mean, totally. Kind of true in some ways. Like, it depends on what you're doing with it. I mean, there's so many ways to sure. complicate things. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. I, I mean, obviously, I had to learn that lesson. And so this is why I think that for me, it was a karmic experience, so that I could actually feel detached from the money. Now, for example, since the last two and a half years, I've been able to make some money again, like funny enough, without really knowing how the money has kind of been coming to me. I sold the property, I bought something at a low price, sold it at a higher price. So things kind of come, but of course not on that level of money, but now I feel really free. And I feel like after this experience, I don't know if anything can really make me uh, break again, you know, because it was a heartbreak. And, you know, yeah. that's, that's really something, if that's the case, I mean, like what would be worse than those two things combined? Did they ever catch her? Sure. Well, you know, yeah. I mean, she has a lot of cases against her, uh, not necessarily just by me. Apparently, she's been scamming uh, a whole bunch of other people in the process. Well, that's the thing about scammers or some people that do this shitty stuff is they do it to a bunch of people. So it's like not really personal. <laughs> yeah, it's not really personal, totally. And I, I even found out that she was actually married to somebody else at the same time. And so, yeah, I just keep discovering new stories. But honestly, then I feel like for me, you know, even, and I mentioned this to you before, I so about two and a half years ago, I guess when the, when the pandemic started, I ended up here in Guatemala and I got stuck here. Uh, at first, because I didn't know for how long this whole pandemic was going to be. And, and then I, st I went into this meditation center 
And this was something I would have never imagined to do because it was just, okay, this is, yeah, it's not really my thing. I always thought like meditation wasn't really my thing. But when I joined there and I started to take some time to really look at the story and, and to realize that, uh, you know, there's always positive in something negative that happens to us, uh, unless we feel like a victim. And then when you're in that victim feeling, then you just hate on everything and you kind of hate on everybody because you think, oh, the world is not fair or, or this person is not fair. And so things really shifted for me, uh, mainly in the last two years, even on, on a heart level, you know, not just from the, from the loss of the money, but, but to be able to forgive her and to be able to move on. And actually, this Sunday I'm I'm getting married. I don't know if I mentioned this to you, but I'm actually yeah, I'm getting married this Sunday with this incredible woman who's exactly the person that I that I needed to meet for all of this to happen. Huh. All right. Yeah. That's great news. Yeah. Great. It seems like yeah, it seems like you got like a lot of positive about that. Were you were you always, by the way, were you always this positive about it ever since like it happening, or did you go through periods of, of doubts or victim mentality or? You know, I wrote a book as soon as that happened. I was in L.A. and I met a guy named Adam, who was this incredible guy, and he's like, "Wow, man, your story is crazy. We should write a book about it." I said, yeah, we, I, I, he said, you should write a book. And so I said, yeah, let's, you know, maybe you can help me find somebody. And I feel like he got so inspired by the story that, that he decided to write it himself. And he's never written books. He's just read a lot of books. And so me and him, we went through the story. And I think revisiting the story again was kind of a therapy for me, having to kind of say it as it was happening and, uh, and so, yeah, there definitely were times where I was, you know, doubting or I thought, oh, this time I, I mean, it was obvious here in this situation, I could have done this or I could have done that. But I think, you know, overall, I, I today, I understand definitely why and, and, and I'm really, you know, honestly, it sounds kind of silly, but I am, I am sort of grateful in a way for this experience because I changed as a person. I was very uh, attached to money and I didn't really, uh, really, I mean, I wouldn't talk to anybody like even in my times in Dubai, unless I had some kind of business interest or something with somebody. And, and today it's like, I have feel like I have way more friends. I'm way happier. Uh, Yeah. It's, you know, now, now this is how it feels, you know? Huh. Well, it's, yeah, it sounds like a really, really positive transformation. Who would think that after all that, so much good could come from it? It's uh, it is kind of inspiring. I wonder if it, well, I'm curious if other people have experienced the same thing. I mean, I can tell you, I haven't experienced like that. I mean, I've been screwed over for a large amount of money, but not anywhere near the same way. Uh, mm-hmm. And obviously heartbroken. <laughs> I wouldn't say I mm-hmm. like gotten that positive of a lesson out of it um mm. so what are you doing these days 
So these days, you know, I mentioned that I came to Guatemala and I started meditating at this center. And so about one and a half years later, I, I'm still in this center, but now I actually turned into a meditation teacher. So the, the main teacher from the center, yeah, that's been, the center has been here for about 30 years. And uh, yeah, about seven or eight months ago, I was asked to become a teacher. And so now I teach meditation and uh, a little bit of yoga and also metaphysics. Metaphysics. So met Yes, metaphysics. Uh, metaphysics is basically, it would be, I mean, the, the, the right explanation for it would be anything beyond physical reality. So things like, uh, you know, understanding anything that is beyond this, this physical dimension. Uh, I don't know if you want to go more into this, uh, but you could say it's, yeah. Uh, yeah I mean, we could talk about some like, <laughs> some magic stuff or however that works i don't know if it's real i mean i want it to be real i'm like very yeah. skeptical but i also very curious yes yeah. um, go ahead and well yeah metaphysics is basically magic like you said uh and i was the most skeptical guy then honestly for most of my life and of course you have to define what magic is but uh, basically, by you being able to meditate and being able to concentrate your mind, you're able to, uh, let's say, you could say magic can be used in manifestation or manifesting things or um, also like understanding how the universe and the world works. You know, I, for me, uh, you know, at first I, I was almost an atheist really most of my life like not really believing there's a God or anything. And I just thought this is what happens. But more and more, I've been seeing proofs of things like that. I did about 62 days of silence last year really? where, yeah, complete silence. And uh, the, basically it was a 40 day in one shot and then another 21 days. Huh. And so in that 40 days something changes inside you and you know it's known from from the time of moses i guess and jesus they go for 40 days in the desert and all of that and that was part of the the training we had to go through in order to become teachers and that 40 days something changed in me uh like basically there is you feel like you're in some kind of mental jail that you're stuck and now you need to process everything from the time of your childhood to to everything that's ever happened to you and then something changes in that point and so your dreams become more uh, vivid until you start having lucid dreams and then you're able to start doing astral traveling i'm not sure if you're familiar with astral traveling i am uh, actually I've heard of yeah. it's real, but I, they, these, these, these sorts of subjects I'm not very familiar with. Um, although yeah. the three, these long meditation retreats, actually, I, ha I am familiar with, or I was interested in. Um, so what exactly changed in you, and how, did this, how does this relate to the belief in there being a God and all that? Well, you know, they, well, this is, uh, I feel like, you know, the God part of things, I mean, I grew up as a Christian. I was always, uh, my parents always wanted to take me to church. And 
I never really felt that there was connection because for me, I think my issue with that side of, let's say, spirituality was really religion, like not really uh, the fact that there was God or not. Like I just didn't believe in the way church kind of did things or even in the stories of the past. And, and so for me, by, by doing these silences, I started to understand a little bit more about, for example, how creation happens or how, um, you know, how, you know, I guess, you know, I don't know if we'll have too much time to go into it, but for example, even understanding the elements that are on this planet, like the, the four elements, mm -hmm. starting with water, fire, uh, air and earth, and how the mixture of these elements actually makes everything that is in this physical dimension possible. So yeah, the astral traveling is, is probably the best way for you to be able to confirm things because it's not just like a dream. You can actually be in a meditation and actually feel yourself or your soul leaving your body and actually being able to go and verify things. Like this was... I mean, you could also say it's imagination or something, but something about it feels really real. It's as real as how we're talking over here. We could be doing this in the astral dimension. And um, yeah, absolutely. It's incredible. Okay. And, and, and that's what my, my teacher says is she, she always says, you know, you don't have to believe me, go and do it yourself. And, make the proofs and and like i said i was very skeptical and and for me it was you know like yeah i hear all these stories and people do this channeling and they do all kinds of things but for me it never happened yeah it's never happened to me as well and i was like okay well how can i how can i be sure and she was like well start paying attention to your dreams you know so part of our practice here that we do is we journal every day our dreams but the reason we do that is not necessarily because there's truth in your dreams, but what you start to do on your mind is you start to create a space for in your subconscious to start to remember your dreams. And by doing that, what you do is you start to give importance to the dreams that are happening to you. And so then your mind now starts to recognize when you're actually dreaming and when you're in this physical reality and then you can wake up in the dream and i don't know if you've ever had lucid dreams have you ever had any lucid dreams in the past where you can actually do things in your dream and i remember i've like thought things in my dreams like this is a dream or something like that i don't know if that's yeah. the same thing yes that is that's how it starts you have to realize first that it's a dream and then once you do that then you can start to navigate that that world and and ask to see what you want to see and and start to discover in that dimension okay yeah. i'm curious i've heard that the astral traveling is possible i've heard that there's schools that teach it is mm -hmm. what i've heard which is crazy to think um but if it's like faith makes sense to try it i mean i i want to verify this stuff myself like yeah i haven't experienced any channeling or anything like that or too many mm -hmm. too many crazy things I, I guess a couple things um what a sort of is that the main way you verify it or you verify through doing other stuff or? 
I mean, there's many practices, but this is usually the, the way that we get taught here at the school that I'm at. This is uh, basically the school is called uh, Las Pyramides of Ka. And this is basically the main teacher is teaches us um, in the beginner courses on how to how to lucid dream so that we could start to open our faculties because all of us as humans we have faculties but we just don't realize them or or we we haven't opened them and so this is why we do a lot of meditation a lot of silences and by doing that uh, you know other than the benefit of getting to know yourself what happens is you start to open these these new things where you can use to verify. So yeah, this school is one of them that teaches uh, lucid dreaming and astral traveling, but not just from a technical or or things. It's more like a, you know you come and you spend a month here and you stay at the place and you have you know yoga, meditation, and metaphysics classes every day, and then by doing that and living there and being in the same energy as everyone doing that it's conducive for you to be able to open this channel uh there are plenty of books on astral traveling and lucid dreaming i think the reason why most people don't really believe in it is because yeah you could read a book and unless you dedicate yourself and say okay i really want to do this and i'm going to start journaling my dreams every day and then that is about the time like once you really take it seriously then that's when things happen and then all of a sudden you're like oh this is wow this is amazing i can you know people that do lucid dreaming at the beginning they want to fly and they want to let's say go and have sex with somebody that they like somebody famous or something like that but what we learn here is how to use this time that you're lucid in your dreams to get answers to what you want and then you start to discover so many things about first yourself and then everything around you. Interesting. Okay. Do you, <laughs> do you mind going into like what other answers you've got? Well, for me, at the beginning when I joined, I wanted to understand why this situation had happened to me. You know, what we just talked about with my, with my ex-wife. Uh, and, and I think the, the answer, like, even though it wasn't super clear, but I felt like maybe about, about, about a month into, into the school and studying and meditating, I felt like my answer was that something, uh, that I had done to her in a past life was what actually triggered this experience. Now, at the time also, I didn't really believe in past lives because for me, it just, did it make sense? And, and I had to do a lot of studying for, for the next year to really convince myself of what past lives are and how they work and how our soul is and what is, what is our being and why are we created. And, and so I got to know a lot of things from that aspect. And yeah, I think I, I would say uh, other things that I learned about was... I would say how to be, how to be more calm, how to be more, more happy, you know, even though I was doing my silence during the height of the pandemic, uh, for example, not knowing if the world was going to end or everything. And, and here I was with no phone for 40 days and, you know, and 
like in a way worrying about my family, not knowing if they, my father was going to die or something was going to happen, but I had committed to it. And, and so it gave me a lot of, uh, I would say, knowledge about myself. That's really what, what I learned is who am I really and why am I here? So what, what are the answers to this question? Well, I guess the why am I here? Uh, I feel like a big part of why I'm here is to be in service. And even though I haven't really even, you know, of course, my story says that, you know, in the past that I was trying to help people and everything. But the truth is, is everything that I did was always for some kind of recognition or some kind of fame in a way. And so even when I gave away my money and then that video went viral, I felt kind of proud of myself in a way for doing that. But now I realize that that's not really the way that service works because you're not really, I mean, the service, really the gift of doing service is for you to gain this, uh, this quality of being able to help without being recognized by others, you know? So now I feel that my mission, and I just don't know where I'm gonna, I'm gonna execute it, but it's definitely to be in service by, by being a teacher, for example, at this meditation center and being, helping people to, to get to know themselves and, and awaken is, it's been a great, great, feeling you know i obviously i do this as a service to the to the school but i want to be able to go further uh, like our friend reynos that that basically introduced us and you know do something like him this guy is an incredible brother that has done amazing things in zanzibar and mm-hmm. so yeah i need to find that path okay um and what what brought you to guatemala I was, so I was traveling. uh, So after that period that I was in Oregon and California, I drove down to Mexico and, and yeah, I just, somehow people kept telling me, you have to come to Lake Atitlan. There's a town called San Marcos and you should come and check it out. And so after years of hearing that, I thought, okay, I'm just going to fly to San Marcos and, um, and see what's there. I was thinking just before that, my other option was to go to Egypt because I wanted to study, uh, you know, this 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 path of uh, lucid dreaming, astral traveling, and and so this was something that the Egyptians back in the days, they they did a lot of it, and so I was looking to go to the pyramids in Egypt and find a teacher that could teach me that, but because I couldn't find anybody, I said, well, you know what, I'll just go to Guatemala. And, and so luckily, as soon as I arrived to this town, San Marcos, I found out that there was this school with, uh, with the pyramids. And, uh, and that's where I went in. And, and, it, and I've been here almost two and a half years now. All right. Sounds like a bit of a yeah. I've never heard of it. Yeah, I've never heard of anyone really going to Guatemala, actually. Yeah. Yeah, it's very low on the radar. It's not very known. People know Mexico or know the more touristic places like Tulum and all of that. But this place is, I mean, of course, there's tourism here. It's not, it's not like a quiet village like the one I was living in in Ecuador. But it's really beautiful here. There's a huge lake with fresh water and the weather is great. And 
And there's many villages, there are Mayan villages uh, on the mountains. And yeah, every, every village has its own little magic. Uh, and I chose to, I picked San Marcos. Okay. From those, yeah. Okay. Well, the theme of the podcast is how everyone in uh, life can win. And well, what, is, what does it even mean to you? Then? Yeah, I, I feel like in the past for me, winning was basically making money. Mm -hmm. uh, today, I feel like, uh, I guess winning for me today would be just being able to be uh, happy, you know, like not, I mean, it's, it's like, I don't know, I never really thought about this, but I guess winning would be uh, being able to, to accomplish all the things that I came here to do, um, you know, in a way, uh, I guess money is still important. I don't say that it's not important, yeah, but yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, yeah, it's, of course it has importance, but it's not the most important thing, I think. It's sure. because I know plenty of people with a lot of money that are not happy. Actually, I know more people with money that are not happy than I know people without money, you know? So, and so... That's really funny. Yeah. Thought. <laughs> yeah, it's true. I mean, I was really unhappy, to be honest. Or, or I, I guess I bought myself things to make me feel like I was happy, you know, like... Uh, bought a nice car, bought many houses. I had many apartments in Dubai at the time. And, and that kind of made me feel like, oh yeah, I've accomplished something. So I'm supposed to be happy. But, but every day I would go out and drink and, uh, and party and come back and hang over the next day. And I would go to work feeling terrible and not, you know, having to run this company was like, too much stress and and today i really have no stress uh, and i think that's that's winning for me is is not having stress being present and and be surrounded with with good people i think this is this is what i what i would consider it all right how would you and i guess uh you help people specifically by particularly by through meditation and educating them quantum or not quantum metaphysics that's right um, how do you think we can help everyone be happy you know dan i think the answer to that would be for people to get to know themselves uh honestly i for for a while while i was traveling in peru and ecuador I did a lot of plant medicine. I drank uh, a lot of mushrooms and ayahuasca and all of that. And honestly, it, it, it obviously helped a little bit, mm -hmm. but until I started to get to know myself and, and do silence and, and really kind of disconnect from what was happening around me so that I could really get to know myself, this is, this is when I started to feel happy because I started to realize so many things about myself. And, and I think this is the way is, is you know, being more silent, uh, 
you know, choosing who you want to be around. Not, and, you know, of course, for me, for example, I don't know really what's happening out there in terms of news or anything. So I really guard my mind. Uh, I'm not on any social media anymore. Uh, so I really choose what I let into my mind so that I'm not affected by, by things. And that makes me happy. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, it is interesting in particular. I mean, it makes, I should say, a lot of what you say makes sense. It's just interesting in particular that getting to know yourself is, I would have thought it would be the opposite then of... Uh, of like sitting in silence. I would have thought it would be to like go out and have different kinds of experiences and that, that sort of thing. But you're suggesting it's more you, you stay in silence and meditate. That's honestly, I, I traveled so much then for literally 10 years uh, since I left Dubai. I was constantly on the move, looking for the next best place, looking for the next thing to do always seeking something and not really knowing what I was seeking, you know? Um, and it was the same when I was in Dubai, it was, I would start a business and then I wouldn't feel like it was enough. And I wanted another business and the same happened with traveling and experiences. I feel like after you get to a certain level, uh, for me, at least it's been, I just, I just couldn't stop. And now I finally stopped like the pandemic, in a way was the lockdowns was in a way a blessing because I was able to say, okay, well, now I really can't go anywhere. So what am I going to do? And then I thought, if I can't go anywhere, then I'm going to do the silence and I'm going to see how it works out. And that was the, probably the biggest gift of my life was, was to be able to do that. Really? Yes, absolutely. Really? What, um, When I, yeah, when I asked what answers did it give you? How did it give you me? You know, it's, it made me know mainly how my mind works. Like, I feel like when you, when you start to be silent and you start to meditate, mm -hmm. at first what happens is you, you freak out. It, like I was saying that my first silence was a five-day silence that I did. And that was kind of it was, I felt like I was locked in a, in a jail cell, like in a solitary confinement where I couldn't speak to anybody. I just couldn't, I didn't know what to do with myself. I couldn't, because we're not allowed to read. Uh, you know, you can journal and you could write, but you just can't put in new information into your mind. What you're doing is you're trying to purge all this information that's inside of you. And it's really scary. Uh, and, and so the first five days, then I did another two times, I did another five days, and then I, I went into a 40 days, and that's when something really shifted, you know? Okay, huh. So you don't suggest I mean, for, jumping into the 40 day? No, no, I wouldn't say you can, I don't think people can, I mean, I'm sure people, some people can do it, but if you're, let's say, coming from a regular life in, in a city or whatever, I would say start with a five-day silence. I highly recommend the school that I went in because it's really helped me uh, and thousands of other students that have been here. It's been, it's the only center, I guess, that teaches this and it has been open for more than 30 years. Uh, and so 
other people they do something called vipassana that that is also something that is known it's yeah, a 10 yeah. day silence vipassana. yeah vipassana is a little different because you know and i think in the vipassana i guess you also receive certain lectures in the afternoon here it's about not bringing in any new information inside of you this is more i would say the hermetic or the alchemical way of doing silence the pasna is more on the Eastern uh, sort of Hinduism, uh, maybe Buddhism kind of philosophies. Oh, okay, okay. Okay, I wasn't aware of like, I didn't know there was like a hermetic silence. But that makes yeah. sense. It makes sense. I know yeah. about that vaguely. Um, okay, that's, that's very interesting. Um, yeah, it could be... I mean, I'm actually tempted to try it in some ways. Yeah, maybe that's, yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe that is a solution to a lot of things. But, so what shifted after the 40 days? After the 40 days was the first time I was able to astral travel. So I had been for about six months in the school. I wasn't really trying it, but on the last day, on the 39th day of my silence, that's when I said, okay, I'm going to try this now because I felt like I wasn't really getting anything from, from the 40 days. And then that night uh, I sat in meditation and I decided that I wanted to do this. And, and all of a sudden I just felt like my arms, like I knew I was laying on a bed, but then all of a sudden I saw my arms next to me and I was like, okay, wait a second. Like, I see my arms there, but I feel my arms on the bed. Like, what, am, what are these? And so then I started to realize that that wasn't really my arms. It was just this kind of greenish color or something that was in my... And then I said, okay, well, I guess this is working. And so I decided to sit up and, and I sat up and I started walking outside of, of the room that I was in. And I didn't want to look back at my body because they say that's what happens when you, when you astral travel. Sometimes when you look back at your body, you freak out and you immediately go back into it. And so uh -huh. I said, I wasn't going to look. And then I opened the door and I walked out and I just shot up into the sky. And I just had this sort of view of the entire planet. Uh, and many other things happened, but that's how it started. And, and I remember while I was up there, I could see a cord that was attached to this, my, my, my consciousness in that sky. And I also had consciousness of my body that was in the bed. So like I could almost feel myself in two places at the same time. And that was a huge revelation for me because that felt so real. Like it wasn't like, it wasn't a dream. It wasn't, it was just so real. Like I, and, really? and see, yeah, it's, it's oh, incredible. Sure. Yeah. Wow. I haven't experienced anything like that. Uh... Yeah. So I'll tell you, for example, the difference between astral traveling and lucid dreaming. Astral traveling is when you induce it from, let's say, a meditative state, like you're awake and then you leave your body. And some people have, more facility in being able to do that while others are able to do it in their dreams and that's what the lucid dream is so when you realize you're dreaming and then you become conscious 
in that dream and then you can be in that same state so yeah. just some people have more facility with the lucid dreams and some people have more facility with the with the astral travel for me it was astral traveling that opened it okay all right well we're almost out of time here um, is there anything else? Do you have any final things you want to say for the audience to help them experience life in a better way? Uh, I mean, yeah, I would recommend, uh, like I said, Dan, getting to know yourself, take some time to, to really find out why you're here. Like, what, what, are, what are you here for? Because I'm sure somebody successful like you who's made a lot of money probably you're thinking okay what can i do now what what can i do if i wanted to you know i'm sure a lot of your audience are successful in on a financial level but start to find out what can you do on a on a soul level or on a on a on a spiritual level if you want to call it and and then you feel the true gratification of your efforts that you've put in you know okay well that's partly why i made the podcast by the way it's, uh, yeah, I think it is, but I haven't done anything with forty-day meditation. But you've uh, kind of intrigued me back to it. Um, yeah, is there anything else you want to talk about, or anything you want to promote? Well, I mean, I have nothing to promote except I would highly recommend the school that I that I've been at. So, if your audience wants to know a little bit more. Uh, the school is called uh, Las Pyramides, that's L-A-S, and then Pyramids, uh, and it's in San Marcos, Guatemala. So I guess if they're meant to come here, they'll, they should be able to find it. There's not much ads about it. It's a very sort of word of mouth kind of place, so people get to know it through other people. And if anyone feels called to it, I'm happy also to answer some questions and help people kind of get here it's it's really changed my life and i'm i'll be eternally grateful for that okay cool well you know maybe we'll get some people that are interested in that okay all right well great having you on the podcast mazzy and uh, thank you Dan. amazing message that you have an amazing story thank you for listening to this episode of winning the game of life Tune in next week for another great episode. Of course, hit subscribe and follow Dan on Instagram at the Dan Cates.